Verses 1 to 4 and verses 7 and 11, read it from the Passion Translation. Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead and said to them, as soon as you enter the village ahead, you will find a donkey's colt tied there that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. Verse 3, and if anyone asks, why are you taking it? Tell them the master needs it and he will send it back to you soon. Verse four, so they went and the disciples brought the colt to Jesus and piled their cloaks and prayer shawls on the young donkey. And Jesus rode upon it. Jesus rode through the gates of Jerusalem and up to the temple. I want to conclude this uh, exciting final uh, series on Jesus Needs a Donkey part four. Again, the title is Jesus Needs a Donkey, part four. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I pray right now that through your Holy Spirit, you will open our eyes and our hearts to receive what you would say to us. Lord, I plead that this word will encourage those who are watching this video, this sermon, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, in the first three uh, parts of this series, I dealt with seven characteristics that a donkey has that Jesus wants us to have. Uh, I also want to now today conclude with this eighth characteristic, this eighth characteristic. Now, the reason why I'm using the number eight, because the number eight in the Bible is a type or typifies the number of new beginnings. For example, when Noah, or when the Lord wanted to use Noah to begin creation or begin human uh, kind all over again on the earth after the 40-day flood, there were eight human beings that he used to replenish, that is, repopulate the earth. Uh, when God wanted to raise up a king that was after his heart, the one that he really wanted, the Bible lets us know that seven sons of Jesse uh, passed through in the presence of Samuel, but the eighth son, the one who God chose, the new beginning was David. And so I'm going to talk to you this, uh, this through this sermon this morning, I guess you'd say, with regards to the fact that this eighth characteristic of a donkey will complete this series that Jesus needs a donkey. Well, let's review the first seven. First, we said that a donkey can be heard by another donkey or a donkey can hear another donkey literally 60 miles away. And so we, we were looking at Psalms 69, verse 33, which is very important. It says, the Lord hears the poor and he does not despise prisoners. And so my point is, can we hear the broken? Can we hear people hurting even though they're far away, not simply in distance, but far away when it comes to standing? You know, we're in one place. Uh, maybe we're very educated, but they're 
you know, they lack the kind of education we have, or maybe we're at, uh, maybe we're black and they're white. Maybe one person is Hispanic and another person is totally different in their culture and they're Asian. Can we hear a person who is far away from who from where we are? Number two, we said that donkeys are very strong. A donkey is stronger than a horse that's the same size. A donkey carries more weight in proportion to its size than any other animal in the Bible. And we said in, Gen in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, the Bible says, bear ye one another's burden, and that's how you fulfill the law of Christ. Are we strong enough to bear other people's burdens and not simply our own? The third point, believe it or not, donkeys have been used as God animals for sheep. In other words, we we many times we, we've heard of a sheep dog, but also donkeys can guard sheep. What am I saying? Donkeys, God needs us to be pastoral. God needs us to be pastoral. So if you are a small group leader or you lead a ministry, whether it's the media ministry or the information ministry or you know, Generation Chosen, which is our young, uh, our teenagers, or or salt, or, or fan into flames, which our young adult ministry, whatever ministry you lead, you are called to be pastoral. Donkeys have the ability to watch over sheep. And Luke chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus challenges us are you, to have the ability to leave the 99 and go after the one lost. Is there somebody who's under your ministry? Is there somebody in your small group who you haven't heard from in a long time? God is saying you need to be a donkey and go after the person who is far away from the Lord. Fourth quality of a donkey is that donkeys have an incredible memory. They can recognize areas where they've been up to 25 years ago. And we talked about uh, two things that are very frightening and very uh, uh, very uh, important to the Lord. And that is that we do not have, and they're both found in Psalm 78. Psalm 78 verse 8 to 11 talks about the sin of forgetting. And Psalm 78 verses 4 to 7 talks about having songs of remembering. Through this coronavirus pandemic, this COVID-19 pandemic, have you been writing down the good things that God has done for you? So often we forget what God has done. And that's what was the complaint in Psalm 78. God was complaining to Israel, you forgot all that I've done for you. And I've again, you're going to see this rock for the last time. And again, this rock is a reminder of 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, when Samuel uh, the Lord used him to bring a great victory to the children of Israel who were attacked and they were about to be destroyed, but God sent a storm on their behalf. The Bible says to commemorate that victory, Samuel took a stone and he called and he named the stone Ebenezer, which means stone of help, because he was saying, this stone is going to remind me that up to this moment, the Lord has helped me. And so my point is, as I said last week, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go to last week's sermon 
when I talked about everybody needs to make a Jehovah sneaky list. What is that? We need to write a list on our journal or put it on a sticky that reminds us all the good things God has doing, God is and has been doing to, to for us through this COVID-19 pandemic. Stop focusing on the negative. God has done some good things for you. Doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be a small thing. As I shared last week, I just discovered a park five minutes from my house and praise God. Now I do prayer walks around that pond. I've been living here for 24 years. Never knew it was there. Again, a Jehovah sneaky. So again, right now, we're going to pause. We're going to pause right now. And I want you to write in the chat one thing that the Lord did for you over the past week. Write one thing. It doesn't have to be long. Just say, he's kept me alive. Just say he's continued to provide for me. Uh, whatever you want to write, write it down on a chat because the Bible says, again, in Revelations chapter 12, verse 11, I quoted this during the communion, we overcome, yes, by the blood of the lamb, but also the words of our testimony. So right now, you can overcome doubt and discouragement by writing down right now what the Lord has done for you this past week. Now, let's keep going because we don't have a lot of time here. Uh, five, oh man, I, I, I am the defense lawyer for the donkey. The Bible says that the devil is a liar. This is John chapter eight, verse 44. The word devil literally means slanderer. In other words, there's three things that the devil will lie about. He will lie about God who God is to you. For example, the devil will say, you're going through this uh, coronavirus pandemic. Some of you may have even tested positive and the devil saying, God doesn't care about you. God doesn't love you. If God loved you, why would this be happening to you? That is a lie. So he'll lie to you about God. The second thing the devil will lie to you about is other people. In other words, maybe, through, maybe you're in isolation and People haven't texted you or emailed you or called you. And so the devil's saying, see, no one cares about you. See, if you were to die right now, no one even would know that you would die. And he lies to you about other people. And then the third person that he lies to you about, sadly, is that the devil will lie to you about yourself. You'll never make it. You're always messing up. You're, oh, there you go again. Look at that, that. That's the way your life will always be. So he will, he's a liar. And so the point is, is that just as the devil lies about you, there's been a lie about the donkey. And a lot, and we've heard terms like you're stupid as a mule. Uh, we've heard terms, especially like this, you are, you are as stubborn as a donkey. First of all, that is a lie. A donkey is not stubborn. Let me repeat, read my lips. A donkey is not stubborn. That is a lie. A donkey, as a matter of fact, the, the, in fact, the donkey is not stubborn. Let me read it for you. It is difficult to force or frighten a donkey into doing something that the donkey sees as contrary to its own best interest and safety. We've seen many times, for example, in a movie uh, when someone fires a shot and the, and the horses, all of a sudden, they start running out of control. They get startled. They get spooked. A donkey, when the same, when that, when a donkey hears that same shot, 
The donkey will stand still and ponder and think. That's not stubbornness. That is a donkey saying, you know what? Before I just run off like a crazy person and possibly run into danger. Let me pause. A donkey is, if you want to say a donkey is stubborn, guess what? A donkey is stubborn in its faith. And God needs you and I to have a stubborn faith. Again, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, let us hold firmly to the profession of our faith. What do you mean? For example, I'm holding on firmly to the profession of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, which Dr. Irvin uh, spoke about during the Bible study. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So no matter what the economy says, I'm holy, I'm holding firmly to that. Again, what else will you hold firmly to? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So again, I'm holding firmly to the profession of my faith without wavering. Another scripture I hold on to is I don't care what coronavirus says. I don't care what COVID-19 says. The Bible says, by his stripes, I was already healed. First Peter chapter 2. So my point is, what word are you holding firmly on? Are you going to be stubborn in your faith? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38 says, The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2. Sorry, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 says, The just shall live by his faith. Donkeys are not impulsive. They are wise. James chapter 1 verse 5 tells us, if any man lacks wisdom, you can ask God. There's no excuse for you and I not to be wise. The Bible says we can ask God who will not rebuke us. He will not speak disparagingly about us. He, he, he will not be angry with us. In fact, God is like, I'm glad you asked for wisdom. And then he says, if you ask for wisdom, ask in faith, because if you don't have faith, you're like a person who, with every wind and every wave, you're tossed to and fro. God wants us to be stubborn in our faith. In fact, the name Mary, the reason why there's a difference between Mary and Zechariah is because Zechariah doubted the angel. Mary held on. In fact, she said in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, she said uh, around there, 37, 38, she said, let your word happen to me according to what you just said, Gabriel. In other words, she stubbornly held on to God's word. What so you may say, well, why are you bringing Mary in this? Because guess what? The name Mary and Miriam is the same name. Miriam is Hebrew, Mary is Greek, and they both mean stubborn. <laughs> so if you're a Mary, we have a, a, a few people in our church who are named Maria, and I say, and sometimes I say to them, you know, I don't call them Maria. I said, you are, you, you are stubborn in your faith. You won't let go no matter what the devil does, no matter how much he lies, no matter how much the Bible, the Bible tells us that his name is also Satan. Satan means opponent. No matter how much the devil opposes you, you are stubborn in your faith. 
God needs people. He needs donkeys who are stubborn in their faith, who no matter, even if you're going through hell, you're saying, God, you said, if I go into hell, you'll be with me. Oh, that's a bad word right there. Come on, why don't you give him praise? Go, go in the emoji, give a thumbs up, lift your hands up, lift your hands up, lift your hands up, and bless the Lord. Amen. Donkeys, not only they're not stubborn, uh, the sixth point is they are mountain climbers. Miners, miners who are going to try to find treasure. They're looking for gold. They're looking for diamonds. They're looking for treasures. They don't take horses up a hill. They take donkeys. Why? Because donkeys are sure-footed. Donkeys are mountain climbers. And the Bible lets us know that in Matthew chapter 5, one of the greatest uh, teachings in the history of mankind is Jesus teaching what we call in Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. That is the attitudes that should be, the attitudes that should, should exist. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. These are the Beatitudes. But before he even spoke the Beatitudes, the Bible says, before he even got there, it starts off in Matthew chapter 5. I'll read it in the message translation. Verse 2, it says, Jesus climbed up a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to Jesus, the committed, climbed with Jesus. Are you climbing with Jesus? Arriving at a quiet place, Jesus sat down and he taught his climbing companions. Oh my goodness. I want to I want to be a climbing companion. I, I want I want to climb over whatever obstacles that the devil tries to put in my way or Satan, again the opponent, puts in my way. Why? Because I want Jesus to know that I am his climbing companion. I find that Jesus does great things but only to mountain climbers. For example, Abraham sacrificed his son Isaac on a mountain, and that's where he found out in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2 around there, that God was Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. That's the first time that that term is used. Another climbing companion is, is Moses. Moses, in order to get one of the greatest documents in history, we call the Ten Commandments, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 24, verse 12, that Moses had to go up into the mountain. That's where you got the Ten Commandments. Uh, many of us have heard of Zion. For example, Zion Williamson, the, Bible, the, the basketball player, the Bible, the basketball player. Uh, he gets his name from, from the Bible. Zion, Mount Zion. This is the place. The word Zion means a place fortified with strength. The Bible lets us know that in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, that the Jebusites were in Zion and they said to David, you're not going to climb up here and, and take over our fortress. But David went up into the mountain and went up into that fortress and put the Jebusites under, their, under his feet where they belong. Oh, yes. If you want something great to happen to you, you're going to be a mountain climber. The strong will climb up the mountain. What obstacle are you climbing over or climbing up 
in order to get a hold of what Jesus has for you. And of course, transformation takes place in the mountain. Matthew, Mark chapter 9, it talks about Jesus going into the mountain and he is transfigured in the sight of Peter, James, and John. And it, and it had such an impact that years later, because he told, he, he told them not to say anything about what they saw, meaning they saw Jesus transformed and he's talking with Moses and he's talking with Elijah and, and Jesus told them, don't say anything about this. Years later, maybe decades later, Peter mentions what, what he saw when he saw Jesus transformed in Mark chapter nine. In other words, when you're in the mountain, there is such transformation in you. Again, Romans chapter 12, verse one and two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and think of why. So that you can prove that God fills the gaps in our lives. What do you mean? God's will is good. God's will is acceptable. And God's will is perfect. Oh yes, tell somebody I'm a mountain climber. I'm a mountain climber. If you want to hang down here, that's up to you, but I'm a mountain climber. And then the uh, seventh point that I made last week was donkeys have large ears that help them keep cool. My goodness. I can tell the difference between a person who is walking by observation and a person who's walking by revelation. Mm, what do you mean? Observation is that I'm looking at my circumstances and I'm panicking. Revelation is I am hearing what God is saying. The Bible says about 16 times in the New Testament, it says these for, for this phrase, and Jesus uses it regularly. He or she that has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In the book of Revelations, chapter 2 and chapter 3, seven different churches, he said, if you have ears, hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church. Now, the only way you can hear what the Spirit is saying is Psalm 95, verse 7 and 8. And, and Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. It, it's almost like God saying, I want the folks in the Old Testament to get this, and I want the folks in the New Testament to get this. And that's this. Today, if you're going to have the ability to hear his voice, harden not your heart. And what was he saying? Sometimes our hearts can get so hardened that we can't hear the voice of God. What are two things that will harden our heart? Number one, we can be hard in our heart through pride, meaning that I, don't, I know everything. I don't need to hear what you have to say. That is a heart that, that will harden your heart so you can't hear the voice of God and other people through other people's advice and, and their suggestions. Secondly, our hearts can be hardened through problems, meaning we can go through so many problems that we just say, forget it, God. I don't want to hear anything. Don't harden your heart. The Spirit is speaking. My final point is that donkeys utilize 95% of what they eat. Their digestive system can break down food more efficiently. What am I saying? I hate to be gross, but I, I this is this is scientifically proven <laughs> that 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 horses waste can be used, their manure can be used as fertilizer. Donkeys manure cannot be. It, 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 is, it is worth it. The reason why is because the, the, the horse 
when it takes in its nutrients, it doesn't use all that it takes in so that the good stuff comes out. Donkeys use 95% of what they take in. What am I saying? Oh, this is a bad word right here. Jesus says in John chapter 4, verse 34, he says, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In other words, I'm going to make sure that I'm not wasting time and that I'm going to do all that God has created me to do. Donkeys don't waste time. Or, this is a bad word right here. I, I would twirl around right now. Donkeys don't waste opportunities. That's a drop the mic right there. What are you talking about? M.F. Weiner in 1976, and this term was made even more uh, famous by Rahm Emanuel during the 2008, if you remember, the 2008 financial crisis that was that was just devastating financially. We call it Black Friday and, and how Wall Street went out, you know, was about to go under, and that's how President Obama ended up getting elected. The point is, is that Rahm Emanuel said these words, never allow a good crisis to go to waste. Mm. Never allow a good crisis to go to waste. What's a good word? A God word. Never allow a God crisis to go to waste. God is doing something. God is doing something in this coronavirus crisis, this COVID-19 crisis to create a opportunity for you. The question is, will you see the opportunity? Or Will you waste it? Donkeys don't waste an opportunity. Something good is going to happen for us if we would say, okay, God, open my eyes. There's an opportunity here. Ah, there's an opportunity here. For example, my goodness, David, if you remember David in 1 Samuel chapter 17, for 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath, the giant, is challenging. Give me a man. Give me a man. Give me a man. Give me a man. Nobody takes the opportunity. Even David's three older brothers, they're frightened. David shows up. The first time David shows up, read it for yourself. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. We get the idea of David like, oh no, I'm afraid. No, the Bible says, read it for you. David says, what does the guy get? What reward does a guy get who kills Goliath? He saw Goliath as an opportunity for him to get out of just taking care of sheep. And because he slew Goliath, he went, mm, he went from being in the pastures of the sheep into the palace of a king. What opportunity are you missing? What opportunity are you wasting because you're bemoaning your circumstances? The scripture says, when he talks about you reap what you sow, be not deceived, God is not mocked. In Galatians chapter 6, let me read what he says, what Paul says in verse 10. Therefore, this is the NIV, then I'm going to read the Message Bible and then we'll pray. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, 
especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Message Bible says, right now, say that with me, right now. Mm -hmm. Come on, say it. right now, right now. Therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. When we were on prayer, uh, the prayer line today, one of our older uh, members said that they were in the checkout line and someone yelled at them, so, you know, like, hey, what taking you long? Hurry up. And they turned around and instead of rebuking him or getting upset, they responded with words that ministered. They basically said, look, we're all feeling stressed out. Let's try to treat each other like human beings. And the cashier that, who was about to check him out said, you know what? He's right. My point is, he used that opportunity not to lose his temper, though he had a right. He used the opportunity to bring the shalom of God in the situation. Let's be donkeys and make sure we don't waste this pandemic opportunity for the kingdom of God. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you help your people to understand that you need donkeys who will make sure they don't waste God-given opportunities. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Now, as we are about to close, I want to close with a blessing. Those of you who are not familiar with our church, we don't give a closing prayer. We give a closing blessing. And during these pandemic times, I want to end with Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Read it for yourself. Um, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you want Jesus to come in your life, you can't become a Christian by being baptized or going through confirmation or being christened. No, you come to Jesus by saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. I admit that I'm a sinner. I don't have it together, but you died for me and you invite him to come into your life. The Bible says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So just ask him to come into your life and you'll be saved. And if you do, if you make that decision, please uh, get contact with us through you know, the various messages that you see on the screen or you can send your Know, get to our website ptspice.org make sure we know so that we can send you information that will help you in your Christian journey at this time I want to give you a closing blessing so um, I'm going to you to put out your hands because you're going to receive a blessing the word bless means to empower somebody to be successful so I'm empowering you by the Lord to be successful in how you think Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. If you want to take a chance, opportunity rather, please, you can read it for yourself. I bless you to think continually on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, to think continually on whatever is worthy of respect and not regret. I bless you to think continually on whatever is right, whatever is confirmed by God's word. Bless you to think, continue whatever is pure, because the Bible says those who are pure in heart they will see God. I bless you to think of whatever is wholesome, whatever is lovely, whatever brings you peace, the shalom of 
1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says, God is not the author of confusion. He is the author of peace. I bless you to think on whatever is admired, whatever is of God or of good report. I bless you to think of whatever is excellent, whatever causes you to excel in Christ. Think on those things. I bless you to think of whatever is worthy of praise. I bless you to think continually on whatever centers your mind and implants your heart in Christ alone. I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. Put out your hands for those emojis. Put your hands up and receive the blessing. Hey. You have a fantastic, prosperous opportunity, 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 opportunistic, rather.